Hello, and welcome to Newton's Dark Room Presents Broadcast, monthly updates from the Newton's Dark Room Collective. Last month, we had a bit of a predicament. We were trying to teach S.O.N.S.O. a lesson in responsibility, but we all got distracted with our new gas-powered typewriter. As a result, S.O.N.S.O. forgot to bring in the food, and it was left to rot in the sun. Some of us went inside to ration the food we still had, but S.O.N.S.O. stayed out to clean up the mess. We'll get into what he found in just a second, but first, I want to tell you about the Podcast Junkie Discord server. For those who don't know, Podcast Junkie is a weekly podcast review show that showcases a wide variety of podcasts. Everything from true crime to audio drama and everything in between. But Podcast Junkie isn't just a weekly podcast, it's also a Discord server. Here, podcasters and listeners alike can get together, get advice, talk about their favorite shows, and celebrate the wonderful world of independent podcasting. Come hobnob around with all your favorite indie podcasts like Oz9, Moonbase Theta Out, A Ninth World Journal, Girl in Space, and more. We even have our own Newton's Darkroom channel, so stop by and chat about your favorite Cal Island artist collective. If you're interested in joining, check out the link in the show notes or give Podcast Junkie a follow on Twitter at CastJunkie. Now, back to the broadcast. S. Owen So was outside by the road, sitting on the hot summer pavement. He was sorting through some of the food, picking up bread and rotten beef, inspecting it for mold and tossing it if it was ruined. Most of the food was ruined. He spent the better half of the afternoon working on this task. It was a mundane, disgusting chore, at least until he felt a small pinch on his arm. He looked down and saw a black splotch. It was a circle with sloppy lines jutting out from it, kind of like how a cartoonist would draw an explosion. He was inspecting this phenomenon when he felt another pinch followed by another little crater. He looked around. Was someone shooting spitballs at him or something? Was it a weird insect, a rash? As his eyes scanned around, he saw several small flying objects coming right for him. For a moment, he thought they were bees, but they were flying too straight to be any kind of bug. He stared at the objects, fascinated and dumbfounded, until they plummeted themselves into his skin. They were missiles, tiny missiles, and they were responsible for those scorching black marks on his arm. So-and-so snapped to his feet, nearly falling over in the process. He began running back towards the front porch, the missiles following just behind him. So-and-so burst in through the front door and quickly shut it. He heard a series of small knocks, almost like a woodpecker smacking away at the front door. So-and-so pressed his face against our stained glass window in the door. He noticed that all of these micro-missiles were coming from the food. This was concerning. So-and-so knew that rotten food was bad for you, but he thought that was due to illness, not weapons of war. He didn't want to go back outside and get pelted by more missiles, so So-and-so did what he tends to do in situations like this. He wandered around the compound, asking others to take care of his problem. Normally, there is someone to do it. Someone who feels bad for so-and-so, someone who is unaware of his responsibilities, or someone who just feels like being nice. Today, however, there was no one who would fit that bill. Everyone knew that so-and-so had messed up, and this time, he would need to handle his own mistakes. So-and-so grabbed the thickest jacket he could find with the hopes that it would protect him from the small blasts. However, Cal Island tends to have warm weather, and so the thickest jacket we could find was a slightly padded raincoat. This raincoat was rarely used because the removable hood was missing. We've all been looking for this hood for a while now because getting your head wet in the rain is the absolute worst, but we still haven't found it. That's why we spend most of our rainy days inside. So-and-so grabbed this very jacket and stood at the front door. He took a few deep breaths and ventured outside. Sure enough, the missiles fired. 
A few of them pelted his head, but for the most part, they landed against the protective jacket. So-and-so was able to pinpoint where all the missiles were coming from. The pepper jack cheese. He ran over and knelt down, closely inspecting the food to see exactly what was going on. As it turns out, what he thought was mold was actually a tiny city, or more accurately, a military complex just outside of a tiny city. The military complex was right next to the city from our perspective, but in reality, it was closer to a small gas station town that had a bowling alley. There was a long road leading from the military complex to the city. The traffic got worse as you neared the urban center. Esso and So followed this road out past the city and into a small suburban area. In this tiny town, all of the blocks were shaped like triangles. As Esso and So traced the road, he found more and more communities, cities, airports, and other such civil structures. They spanned from the wheat bread to the pepper jack cheese and even further into the avocados and eggs. It was an entire miniature civilization. And they were pissed. All through the streets marched protesters. They held up signs that said, Down with the murderous giants! Tiny town is not trash! And bring back the beef! So-and-so correctly guessed that this last one was a reference to the beef he had thrown out just moments ago. He looked over to where the beef was, and he saw broken roads, houses caving in, and families at the edge of it all weeping. He had destroyed an entire community. Heartbroken, So-and-so vowed to make amends. He searched through the city until he found the mayor's office, and he boomed down to them. The mayor lived in a humble yet respectable government building over on the Apples. She was a bold and confident mayor, used to being a leader of a growing civilization. When So-and-So approached, she immediately began yelling at him, calling him a menace and devil. How dare he mess with the wonderful city of Artesia? Then she proceeded to sing the Artesian national anthem. Kind of went like this. Artesia, oh how I love our tiny town We're so small we look like molds but we're not, we're a town Artesia, oh what a tiny town How I love Artesia, my home So and so stopped the mayor You realize that there is already a city called Artesia, right? The mayor stopped, thought for a second And then confidently proclaimed Then we are new Artesia New Artesia Oh, how I love our tiny town. We're so small, we look like mold, but we're not, we're a town. New Artesia, oh, what a tiny town. How I love New Artesia, my home. The song needed some work. As so-and-so proceeded to explain that he was indeed the evil giant who had destroyed their lands, but he wanted to help. The mayor firmly demanded so-and-so leave them be. If he tried to interact with them, he would surely destroy the rest of New Artesia. Just as she was finishing explaining this, the Cal Island caretakers came outside. They also started shouting at So and So, demanding he throw out the rotten food. Now, So and So has never held much responsibility, not so much as a pet goldfish, but in this moment, he felt a grave responsibility. He had to protect New Artesia. They were depending on him, and if he let the Cal Island caretakers take them away, he would be responsible for the deaths of thousands. He stood firm, looked the caretakers dead in the eye, and sneered, No, leave this rotten, moldy food alone. The caretakers backed inside, more confused than scared. As so-and-so stayed in his defensive stance until the door clicked shut, he hurried back over to the Capitol building. What do you need? he asked hurriedly. The mayor explained that what they needed most was water. This food was great sustenance for them, but their people all had headaches and bloody noses, classic symptoms of dehydration. 
and they can't drink salt water, so the sea mist wouldn't help them very much. As so-and-so nodded his head, thinking about where he could get the water without leaving the city undefended. He scanned the area around him. It was mostly charred buildings and ash. The commune building they all lived in was one of the only still functioning structures on Cal Island. He looked at his home and noticed a garden hose coiled off to the side. The spigot was out of sight, but if he hurried, he would be able to turn it on and get back to the food before the caretakers came out to clean it all. He rose to his feet and bolted towards the house. He wasn't paying attention to his surroundings or what was under him. All of his focus was on that hose. He never even saw the rock that rapidly showed up under his feet. For a brief moment, as so-and-so was flying. The next, he was crashing into the ground. Dirt shoved its way into his eyes and nostrils. The base of his wrist was scraped raw with several cuts where he had snagged a rock. He didn't even pause to think about it. He snapped to his feet and stumbled forward as he cleared the dust from his eyes. The hose was there. He put in a bend to stop the water, turned on the spigot, and turned to race back to the food. As he rounded the corner of the house, he saw, surrounding the food and the tiny civilization, a pack of Roombas. So and so panicked. The Roombas were attracted to what they assumed was mold. In reality, it wasn't mold. It was the tiny cityscape of New Artesia. So and so bolted over, the hose lazily lopping water onto the ground. Once he was in range of the rotten food and Roombas, he placed his thumb over the head of the hose. The pressure caused the water to spray in a fine mist over the whole commotion. The electronic Roombas hated the water. They immediately began to retreat back into the dryness of the large house. Meanwhile, the citizens of New Artesia rejoiced. It was raining and they could finally drink the recommended eight glasses of water a day. So and so felt proud of himself. He had saved the community, he gave them water. Maybe he was more responsible than anyone thought. The Cal Island caretakers burst open the front door. They stormed towards So and So, who stood there with the hose still in his hand. They began yelling at him, berating him, demanding that he move the food. To be fair, they had a point. It was still rotten food and the odor was atrocious. Plus, it was starting to attract the birds and that brings about a whole other set of issues. So and So tried to calm them down. They kept yelling until they ran out of things to yell about, and then So and So could finally speak. He understood that the food could not stay outside, but he also didn't want to just throw it all away. He explained that there was a tiny city on the food, and that he felt responsible for their well-being. The caretakers started riling themselves up again, but So and So quieted them with his plan. He was going to move New Artesia into his room. He would make the room airtight so that none of the odor would escape. He also planned on adding an air filtration system to make sure the citizens of New Artesia could all breathe. If the Cal Island caretakers would help him set up the room, he would give up his space for the city. The caretakers were moved, even crying a little bit. They knew how important a home was, and the fact that Esso and So would give up his so others could have a place to live really touched them. They agreed, and for the rest of the afternoon, they made Esso and So's room completely airtight. Moving New Artesia wasn't easy. While most of the neighborhoods were built on separate pieces of food, there was some overlap. So and so had to work with the city planners of New Artesia in order to properly divide up the neighborhoods, move them to the room, and reset them to their original positions. It was a difficult, logistical nightmare, but they got it done. By the end of the two-day moving process, all of New Artesia was safe and sound in So and So's room. So and So approached the mayor once more. He apologized again for destroying the beef neighborhood, and he hoped that they were safe in their new home. 
He also explained that he would be checking in regularly to make sure that they had everything they needed. The mayor thanked him and humbly declared that the city would have been destroyed without their giant protector. As so-and-so left the airtight room, turned on the air filtration system, and slowly closed and sealed the large metal door. He walked through all the hallways in the house as he made his way down to our living room. Every member watched from the doorways of their own spaces. They watched as S.O. and So, the person they didn't even trust with the laundry a month ago, walked through the house to sleep on a couch. S.O. and So had found his sense of responsibility, and there was a new form of respect growing in the minds of the collective. S.O. and So was now the keeper of New Artesia. You just listened to Newton's Dark Room Presents. This episode was created and performed by Talon Stradley. You can find more information on this show, The Collective, and our other podcast at newtonsdarkroom.com. You can also follow us on social media at Newton's Dark Room to stay up to date on whatever we're working on. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Produced by Newton's Dark Room.